Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 135 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am here in Lander, Wyoming, still, which is amazing. I haven't spent this much time at home in, well, since we bought the place, really. Um, and I'm really looking forward to being here for the majority of the summer. Um, I do have some crazy travel coming up, but not until August and then again in October. Um, and that's for workshops, events that we're doing, uh, as well as working with some companies on some exciting products that we'll be developing. Um, I'm being very vague about all that, but you'll hear more about it, certainly. Um, also, in December, our Empowered event in Chattanooga, I'll be out there. That event sold out very, very quickly, and we have a waiting list slash mailing list set up on the website. Um, if you want to be one of the first people to find out when the next events are going to be and when tickets go on sale. They're very, very small attendance numbers. We keep the numbers small because we want the, the coach to climber ratio to be high. Um, you guys already know that. And if you want to get involved, go to powercompanyclimbing.com slash empowered and we'll let you know when the next event happens. We're, we're working on that right now. It was popular, so... Go get your name on there. Speaking of all the travel, all of you who are who are listeners know that I just recently spent five weeks in Australia, kind of a, a dream vacation climbing trip. And short of the bands and the Grampians, it was an absolutely amazing trip. And I, I did a lot of workshops at gyms all over the continent, really, and and I also did a bunch of podcast interviews and learned quite a bit about the Australian climbing culture, the similarities, the differences to the American climbing culture, and just really got to know what the community is like there um, in, in a few specific places. And today's episode is the first of those Australian interviews and conversations that are going to be coming out over the next month or two. Today's is with Western Australia's top female climber, Anna Davey, and she is an Instagram sensation, which certainly brings quite a few haters to the game. I think that's unavoidable, um, but I have a lot of respect for the amount of work that she puts in um, to make this thing work for her, and I'm not going to tell you too much. Anna and I get into it quite a bit here. We sat down in Perth, Western Australia at Portside Boulders, where I was for a coaching workshop, thanks to Ashley Thomas from Axis Coaching. And if you happen to be in Western Australia and you're looking for some coaching over there, definitely talk to Ashley. He knows what he's doing and he puts a ton of thought into what he's building over there at Axis Coaching. When Anna and I sat down. She was gearing up for her first 
World Cup bouldering season, and that season has since ended. And I got some thoughts from Anna that I'll share on the other side of the episode. So let's get into it. I want to give myself the best possible chance to actually be a professional climber and see what growth I can make. And then I've got the rest of my life to be a lawyer if I want to be. Last year, I tore my collateral ligament um, off the PIP joint and uh, it took about eight weeks to heal. Everything is going really well. And in the competition, I re-tore it. How long has it been pretty much healed since? Uh, Only about four weeks. Oh, no. (laughs) So I was finally starting to get my confidence up again. Coach was really happy with the progress that it made and it wasn't hurting, touching any holds. Um, And then, yeah, my my period of grace didn't last for too long. (laughs) Oh, man, that's the worst. You feel like, oh, I'm finally through it. Yes, I'm done. I'm 100% good. Yeah, you just feel all of a sudden so free and my climbing was back up where it was before and then all of a sudden one strange Gaston move and pop, Uh, it went. That's really frustrating. It's really frustrating, but I'm trying to look at it quite positively because a lot of people have injuries which you can't work around and that are just completely like, you know, Stasha just in her warm up comp, Stasha Gayo doing her ACL, like she can't walk, you know, I've got this injury where I can still climb jugs and I can climb most things and I can climb to a reasonable level. Um, I just have to avoid certain movements. So I like, I should be blessed that I can still move and I can still climb. So I try to be positive and it's only about a six to eight week healing period. It's not too bad. Yeah, well, that's a really good way to look at it. I'm also a little bit like maybe that's the the, the saving grace is that I get to talk to you today because you're not off at another yeah. comp and <laughs> I don't feel bad for interrupting your workout. Yeah, that comp would have you been know. really fun. But um, with the format, it, it was like a six-hour pump fest and my finger can't sustain right now sure. more than about 45. Uh, today I was able to climb for 45 minutes yeah. with that and then it started hurting and that's when I know I have to stop. Well, that's a good start, you know, that yeah. you've that you've got 45 minutes and that yeah. you, you've been through it. So, you already know yeah, what the issue is. Yeah, I kind of know the stages is. and I yeah. know that this initial stage, the swelling's really, it looks worse than it is. It looks really concerning. Um, where the collateral ligament is there on the side, it's really swollen and it's so swollen that it looks like your joint's out of place. The Instagram photo you posted was crazy. Gross. I mean, that was right after I did it. So, it was having a complete spaz out there. Um and it did get a little bit better overnight and then it just got a whole lot worse and the bruising came up over the knuckle uh, um, and you can see like the veins through the finger as well, like just trying to pump some blood there to, to heal it. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's, it's already the swelling's down probably like 25% from the comp. So I, I'm positive about good. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to take a ton of time talking about this injury but yep. <laughs> but it is kind of a an interesting situation in that you've just committed lots of time mm-hmm. and energy into the world cup season yeah and and at just as it's about to get started yeah you you have this injury yeah 
when it first happened and, and since you've had a little bit of time to sort of process it, what are the feelings like around the people who are supporting and your own, you know, taking time off of work and all yeah. these things that you've, you're foregoing in order yeah. to do this? Obviously, it's really devastating. And like those initial, when I wasn't exactly sure what I, what I, because there was a pop, I was like, I've just ruptured my pulley. Right. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like everything's over. Um, and I was just thinking like the money I've raised, my sponsors, which have gotten behind me, I've quit my job. Like initially those thoughts were going through my head and I was like, I didn't, yeah, I was really emotional. And at that moment I'd lost all ability to climb really. I was in the middle of the comp and I was just uh. like, have I just ruptured my pulley? And then I, I kind of took a second to like think about it and I was like no I'm not in extreme pain I'm in discomfort yeah um and then I kind of just went about my thing and then um just went straight home got it on ice and tried to process my thoughts um and I didn't even I didn't even come out and say anything that night because I was still just wanted to it might have processed yeah I was trying to process it and think about my options what I could do yeah like I was just getting prepared for that next day to go in and tell everyone I'm really sorry, but um, I can't attend World oh. Cups. So I'll have to give all this money back. I need to go back to my job. And I was just like, and you know, I was like, no, you know, you, I'm the kind of person that gets, I get really emotional. I go from one extreme to another as well. Like, it's just like, no, my life is over. And then the next day I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look at this positively. <laughs> I'm just going to go and get my MRI and just get a, you know, I just get a decision. See my, in- I have a finger doctor. Let's not make any rash. Like, you know, I just doctor, I Google everything and yeah, I will just yeah. diagnose myself as, you know, but I knew at that stage in the morning, it wasn't a pulley. I'm pressing down my pulley. My pulley has no pain whatsoever. The swelling's too severe to be a pulley. I'm not in that much pain the day after it went down. And then, um, as soon as I had seen my doctor and everything, I was like, okay, everything's going to be fine. Um, and obviously my sponsors saw the post the next day and they're like, and followers, you know, I had maybe, I don't know, a thousand DMs. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'm just like, I can't go through all of these. So I've kind of just, I just publicly said on my story, um, you know, you know, it's as I thought, pretty much the collateral ligament is gone, but it's very, very minor and it's definitely something that I can climb around and I am choosing. To, I don't know if everyone would do what I'm doing or if they would. I'm not sure. It's a really hard decision. But for me, everything's booked. Everyone's behind me and I would be very unlucky if I encountered a movement which is going to do further damage. This is the way my f- my finger specialist has put it as well. Right. It's such a distinct movement that I would be so unlucky if I encountered it again, that exactly same movement. Like it, you and know, if you do, you've got the option to... I can just say, I'm sorry. Drop I off and move to the next boulder. This boulder. It's not worse. Yeah. Further injury. I'll try that exactly as you said. Um, so, I mean, the collateral ligament is there to stabilize the joint. Essentially, it doesn't have anything to do with you know you're pulling right so um keep it straight down pulling and i'll be fine any any weird side gastons or side pulls will cause an issue but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go with the flow and you know i've still got three weeks three weeks until i'm actually competing and 
that's halfway to recovery if I do the right things. Yeah. So I just have to stay positive and do my rehab and just trust the process. Yeah, and you know, I think it's important that you gain some experience in that arena anyway. It's not like it's not like this is the only time you're no. ever going to do this no. and you hope to and just win like, it all right now. Yeah. No, know? like and I have to be really realistic about this. This is the first time I'm ever going to the World Cup. Yeah. I'm going to get my ass handed to me, you know, in the best kind of way. Yeah. I don't think I'm going in there and going straight to finals, you know. I'm so realistic about it. The first one is going to be the experience. I'll be yeah. able to see the level. What's it like in isolation? What am I like traveling overseas and yeah. getting into that isolation? I don't know. Like, I've only competed in Singapore is the furthest I've gone for international. Right. Um, so... It's a learning curve and this is not meant to be my best season. This is testing the waters. I can look at the level and go, okay, I can train towards that. If I get enough support, I can, you know, I might see, okay, wait, I'm way too far behind. Probably not a good idea to pursue this or I'm closer than I think. Yeah. And I can work on it for the next year. And that's what I hope will happen. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what, I think most of the people who are jumping in and supporting and helping out understand that as well i hope so that it's and a long a long term i mean game. yeah yeah no i've been very honest you know that you know i'm a good climber in australia i'm not a good climber on in the international stage and i think everyone knows that um so they're not no one's gonna go oh my god you're not in finals or you're not right. in semi-finals uh like i don't feel like i've spent my money well i don't think anyone thinks that way i think people are genuinely trying to support me in living the dream that I've had for the past five and a half years since I started climbing. I started climbing only five and a half years ago and I said, I remember turning around to the owners of the Boulder Hub one day and said, one day I'll be out of World Cup. And they were like, I'm sure you will if you keep going the way you're going because you work hard. And it was just always my dream to just be there. It yeah. wasn't my dream to win it. It was just my dream to get there. Sure. So it's, it is living a dream for me and... Um, I'll be happy regardless, you know, as long as I feel that I've climbed the best that I can, I'll be happy. And I'm sure my followers are incredibly supportive. I have a lot of haters out there, but my actual followers are very supportive and I'm sure they're going to be happy if, if I'm happy with my result. Yeah. Well, having haters is a sign of success Apparently, anyway. That's what everyone keeps telling I mean, me. That's if I didn't have haters, I would feel like people aren't paying attention anymore. <laughs> I'd like, you know? I've been memed almost as many times as I think Sierra Blair Coyle at this stage like we're the two highest memed people but I, I am a massive <laughs> I'm a massive SBC defender oh, and same. supporter she's incredible so I'm like you guys are just idiots she's very smart she's yeah. very strong yeah so like totally she can just yeah yeah I am seed a world cup in the US last year at Vail and and when I was introducing Sierra I introduced her as one of the most consistent American female competitors she because she is. And she's in so many semifinals at a World Cup yeah. level. I don't know how people can possibly say, oh, she's a model over a climber. Or, yeah, you know, she uses crazy her looks. talk. No, mm. she's a smart marketer. And just because she's beautiful doesn't mean you can just hate on her. Like, it would be a different story, you know, if she was probably, yeah, didn't have blonde hair and uh, was so pretty I think so I think she markets herself really really well and she's bloody strong people keep forgetting yep. she is so strong and she won Pan Americans and there's <laughs> still memes about her and I it just I'm like oh you just guys are idiots yeah for sure and you know what I, ha I heard a quote I can't remember if I read it or heard it years ago 
and you'll appreciate this, you're a former tennis player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quote was about Anna Kornikova yeah. and a lot of the other female tennis players complaining that she was taking money away from them by, by getting these big sponsors and, yeah. and having not won any big majors. Yeah. Um, but Billie Jean King, who was a, is a famous feminist yeah. tennis player, amazing tennis player, came to her defense and said, look, ladies, that money's not there for you. Like these people are looking to sponsor someone with her yeah, set of skills. For. Yeah. They want all of it. They want yeah. the player. They want the looks. It's just not there for you. Accept that and move on. Yeah. You know? And I think that's totally okay. Why shouldn't you, if you, uh, Sierra's beautiful, you're yeah. beautiful. Why shouldn't you use that as part of the marketing? You both are working your asses off. Yeah, that's and, what people don't realize hard. behind the scenes. Like people that are doing well on social media are working their asses off as yeah. well on their image. And you are using your image, but it's because that's that's how you look. And yep. And you've, you've just got to use it to your advantage, I think. And But, I mean, I'm sure both, both people are always just like, oh, you're always, you know, in shorts and a crop top. That's how I'm most comfortable. Like, I'm not stripping down to climb. Right. That's how we're comfortable climbing. Totally. So, like, you know, yeah. it's you do you, I think. I think each to their own. Yeah. So, when you were kind of coming into this place of World Cups are in my future – I'm going to need support. Did you purposely take a page out of Sierra Blair Coyle's book? Or what's driving no. the big social media push that you're, you've done? No, not at all. I, I definitely admire social, uh, Sierra for, um, for her social media. I really like it. Um, but I'd, as much as people compare us to each other, that's not... That's not what my social be- uh, media has been about or based around. I mm-hmm. started my – people don't realize my social media, I've had it for quite a while. And I only started it really – at the start, it was for myself. I want to document my climbing. I want to – I use it to reflect how far I've come. As The same way as I think most people um, – use their social media. It wasn't for sponsors or anything like that. It was more for me to keep looking back and have this this diary, this online diary of sure. my climbing and how far I've come and to never really forget where I've where I've come from. And it wasn't until well people just started following because they you know, I climb a little bit different. I have a little bit of a different style. Um and I have abs, which is a weird thing for a girl. So I guess people <laughs> start following. And they're like, "What are these weird like abs this girls have? They're very strange, strange abs as well." And I think people just started to be intrigued in how I was climbing and how, because I was relatively new and I kind of was just breaking out into the Australian scene. And then, um, and then I got my first sponsor. And then I think other sponsors were like, "Okay, she's doing." really good things for this brand like I was really when I've got my first sponsor you know I was super psyched and I would do everything that they would ask and I would go over and beyond for that sponsor and then I my followers just kept in organically increasing and I 
and it was then I think when I got to 20,000 when I was actually like I need to actually plan things I then yeah. started to be a planner like I would plan posts I would schedule posts I would go into the gym and I it, all of a sudden it wasn't just a journal it was what is gonna visually look appealing to people what lesson can I teach people here or what can I share I've always been really really honest and I think people have connected with me because i I share my fails. I sh- I share my thoughts sometimes a little bit too much. I'm not just writing random things. It's 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 what has gone through my head on that in that day. And I answer people when they ask me questions. Um, I'm, I'm I'm actually a little bit blown away by that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and you know to be totally upfront and open here, I flip through most people's stories at rapid pace. You know. Yeah. But yours, I always stop and watch, and it's because you're, because you are more honest, and because you do speak up about things, and and I also appreciate that it's not all, I sent this boulder, I won this comp, you know, it's it's your daily yeah. gym life that's happening, that's, and silly yeah. little things, stupid and stuff with Tom. So it's really, <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. I've to tried watch. to make my story Snapchats and. What am I actually doing? Like, yeah. not like when I've come in, set up my tripod for my sending boulder. I save that for my timeline. I want my story to be, what am I actually doing? Yes, there's a lot of advertising on my story as well, but it's it's what, like, the real me. Yeah. I'm trying to get that across. And you're and, constantly yeah. answering questions from people. Yeah. That is something I almost took out of Sierra's um, book because she gives everyone the opportunity to ask her a question on her Tuesday um, and it just gives her it just shows your followers that you really actually care about their opinion and you are there to help them you not just want them to follow you and then and they're just you just disregard them and you know that you're just there for the following count no I actually really appreciate that my followers make me sponsors essentially they drive they're part of my business yeah totally. they're part of my success so i want to give back to them as much as i possibly can and you know recently watching you sort of you weren't just asking for money like for the world cups you i assume that you felt like you needed to give something in return i couldn't just ask for yeah. for me for you know if i'm going to support I'm doing it for the cause of I want to see what you're capable of. I want you yeah. to have this opportunity to go do this thing. But you're also giving people a lot more. Yeah. I just I thought I would get a lot of hate about raising money because people have this perception that um, I'm a professional climber and I get paid to do what I do. Right. And they think right. about that about, you know, everyone all climbers but it's not like that in Australia and I can't class myself really as a professional climber because I don't get paid anything to do it we don't get anything from our federation we have to pay our federation I have to buy my uniform I have to pay everything right Um, and that's all Australian climbers and I know there are some other countries as well that that do it really really tough so when I you know put together my budget of is that obviously so I've been working full-time and trying to schedule training around that uh, being a lawyer and it's really really hard and no I don't make millions being a lawyer I'm a very very junior junior lawyer Um, we get paid peanuts so um, when I was said okay for time off work and things I need I need 30,000 and I really just 
I knew that I couldn't afford it, but it was my one and only chance. So I I, I remember like Alex Puccio doing her funding yeah. and she copped yep. a lot of flack and I was thinking about that <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not Alex Puccio. But I am someone who people assume to be making money from my social media. So I just decided that... I would use my fitness side to my advantage and I would write up my abs program and I would give it to everyone that donated. And I even honestly, to the point of, I remember seeing a post where you're like, you're searching for a person who I don't know if they, they DM'd you or something but you couldn't remember their name and you're like searching for them. Like, I can't remember your name. I need to send this to you. Who are you? A lot of people, people that listened and knew that they had to send me their email through. See, I was, I wasn't sleeping, man. So I bet basically everyone that donated needed to email me, DM me. So I'd have to go into my emails. I'd be at work as well, or it'd be the middle of the night, but I wanted to make sure they got their program straight away because all my followers are overseas. So Tom was like, she's going to lose it in the middle of the night. I'm getting this person's email. I'm pasting that into my, my, (laughs) you know, my email and sending them their program and thanking them. And then if someone didn't DM me their email I'm like this person's donated and they haven't got their program but I would get really (laughs) anal and stressed about it and I'm like I would just shout out I'm like please can you just give me your email and finally they come back and but most people ended up following instructions DM me email straight away but I was yeah sending out 60 programs a day in the middle of the night and uh, ended up having to make more programs and that took like weeks and yeah it was this big ordeal and but in hindsight, it was for me. It was the best possible thing. I could I just help me sleep at night, um, and people were loving the programs. You know, people were getting really psyched, and it enabled me to connect more with people. And they were sending me, you know, them doing my abs programs, and it just made me feel really, really proud and something that I could give back to these people. And yeah, it was the only way that I could take this money. And I think it's the driving force behind why I was so successful on GoFundMe. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know because I didn't try to do it without programs, but I'm 100% sure that that's why people donated. Yeah, well, I think it says a lot about your character. And, you know, I am I was a supporter of Puccio's. Yeah, same. Uh, I was like 100%. I know for... US don't get, they don't get much. Yeah. So I was and... 100% in to support her, but... But you're right. She got a lot of flack for it. And she did. But I was I think a little floored by the amount yeah. of it. And I, that's like because she's such a good climber that people would assume that she's getting so yeah. much. But she publicly came and said she does. Uh, she gets like fifty thousand dollars. Or yeah, she wasn't getting yeah. much at all, yeah. and certainly not enough to Do live. And yeah. you know, she's trying to make her living as a rock climber. Yeah, it would be a shame to see Alex Puccio or. Or any of our climbers that were inspired by you included, having to fund their their climbing dreams yeah. by taking a job that's not going to cut into that, which is tough to find yeah. and is going to pay nothing. And exactly, it's going to yeah. be a nightmare to schedule around. Yeah, and you don't. We just you don't have the time to work. Like so, how? Yeah. You say you're either yeah you're you're unemployed and just getting by in sponsors and you go, you go and you go to all these comps and you come back and you'll have no money, right? <laughs> you know, and right. then yeah, you know, I've got a mortgage, I've got to continue paying that, you know, I've got responsibilities. Um, so there was no possible way that I could have 
could have done it without people and and yeah people like Alex you you know she she could be you know in fi- in every single fi- final so I, right. that's why most people support because she's such a quality climber she deserves to be there and if she's not I know their federation I don't know if it's changed now but then they were the same as Australia and they weren't getting much support they just have the opportunity to earn much more money than us because they have those comps where it's like a 10,000 prize yep. purse yep. like our Australian nationals the winner got a box of cliff bars so right. we don't have the same Ability to make that money. Um, yeah, and sponsorship is a little more uh, set up over there. Yeah, it's been going on for quite a long well. time. Yeah, you're so. lucky if you get, you're get getting any money out of your sponsors here. You'd, you'd be very, very lucky. Yeah. Well, that's something I've, I've been a little bit surprised by. You know, I spent some time with Tom O'Halloran down in Blackheath. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's Australia's best sport climber mm-hmm. and and making no money you yep. know tiny sponsorships yeah he rubbed up to national lead in his in his van and he he driven from sydney to melbourne and then he slept in his van and was having like quick oats yeah <laughs> yeah totally and he's out there climbing 35 <laughs> it's I ridiculous know. i know it blows me away yeah. and i think people don't realize that you know we see the social media side of it and we see these you know, you put out tons of content of you climbing, but but you've also got other life going on too mm. that we often don't know about. Yeah. Um, let's I, talk a little yeah. bit about that. You mentioned that you're a lawyer. Yeah, I do keep it like pretty private because at the start I was like, oh, no one really cares. Yeah. <laughs> I think they they're on my profile for climbing, so I just kept it to just climbing on my profile. Um, but yeah, I've been admitted for two years. So prior to that, I was obviously working in law as well, just as a law clerk. Um, but I wound up, I ended up working in somewhere I never thought I would end up, which was for the government working in deceased estates. Mm. And I, I went there because I was having a bit more flexibility with my working hours. So if you work in private practice, which I was before as a in criminal law, um, you know, you're lucky if you get out of the office at 8 p.m. to go for a climb. Right. Um, whereas if you work for the government, 4.30, you're out the door. Um, yep. So I took the job, but then I, I had the implication that I was taking my work home with me a lot. Mm. Um, you know, you, it's just dead people <laughs> and their estates every day, Some a lot of sadness. Sure. Most, most of it's old age, but there is a lot of young deceased estates that you're dealing with and we also deal with trust clients so people who are incapable of handling their own finances um they become under the management of the public trustee if they have any legal issues i would deal with that so you've had people that have been beaten with an inch of their life and they've now become permanently disabled and i would be taking the legal action for them for compensation for loss yeah you know um so there's no there's no positive notes to come home with at the end of the day. Right. Uh, you have to compartmentalize that completely to, to be able to come in here and be motivated. You to, have to. And Is this a release for you then? To be not working? To, well, to be, climbing. to be climbing when you were <laughs> yeah, still working. Yeah, so I'd come most of the time coming to climbing as a release, like, oh, like finally just in my own head. But some of the time I would still be at work. And I would find it hard. Mostly on the weekends would be, I'd be, yeah, I'd be completely not thinking about work and feel completely free. But often I would get here on the weekdays and I would be 
so mentally tired that physically my body wasn't working. I'd have complete neural shutdowns. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been really hard. I've now, this is my second week not working and I feel a million times better. Unfortunately, I injured my finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was feeling so strong. The universe just week. can't let you feel <laughs> no. amazing. No. It's got to throw something at you. Pretty much, but that's okay. At this stage now, I don't intend to go back to work. So, you're just done. I'm taking a risk. I'm taking a very large risk. I'm trying not to uh, – so, it's, it's said about sponsors. So, um, most people are on gear only in Australia. Yeah. I was last year. It wasn't until after my fundraising that all of my sponsors came to me and they said, I want to support you a little bit more. And not we're not – this is not huge money. This is more like a week's <laughs> wage for right, me. I right. think, you know, out of GoFundMe, I got $10,000 and now out of my sponsors, I would have half of that. But it's it's a start, and yeah. um, I had I've had some new people approach me as well, and it's just weighing up those things. So I'm my Instagram is growing, and as that these are the reason I've been given that opportunity. My sponsors are realizing that my Instagram is going very fast, and they've got a chance now to get behind me. I'm not the same Anna with twenty thousand followers who who can just get gear. Right. Your your following to some extent now in Australia will determine how much support instead of your talent, which sure. is a bit crap. But um you know, there's much better climbers than me in Australia which don't have any support, but they don't want to work on their social media. They don't yep. want to put themselves out there and it's exhausting and it's a and it's a full-time job pretty much. No and doubt. I understand why people don't want to commit and do that, but for me I actually love it. It's yeah. actually one of my passions is, um, yeah, creating content. It's something I really enjoy. So, I think I can make a living out of my Instagram by the time I was scheduled to go back to work, which was at the end of the year I accounted for. But at the rate that I'm going, I think by the end of the year, I might be at almost 100,000 followers. And that's when you actually can legitimately start to make money from your Instagram. Mm. That's I'm, I'm being hopeful and yeah. I'm taking a chance. Yeah. Um, but I don't think mentally I can go back to work this year or next year if I'm making a push for the World International season next year. I want to give myself the best possible chance to actually be a professional climber and see what growth I can, can make. And then I've got the rest of my life to be a lawyer if I want to be. Absolutely. So... And my body's not going to hold up for many more years, unfortunately. So, yeah. <laughs> I think now is the If time. it's holding up now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's not holding up now. <laughs> no, I think that's, A, it's really admirable to see somebody taking that sort of risk. And, and good job sponsors, if they're listening, good job stepping up and yeah. saying we see that all these people are willing to support you. Maybe yeah. we should as well. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. I think that's that's a massive first step, not only for you, but potentially for the other climbers in Australia too. I hope so. I hope it encourages the other sponsors of the Australian climbers to say, okay, well, oh, well, Anna's obviously got financial support now. Maybe we should be offering financial support people are starting to understand that it's um and like i've had many people have approached me many times and asked me for advice on instagram and things like that and, and everyone has to 
understand it's a two-way street. Yeah. You have to do things for your sponsors. You have to, if you have to have a crappy discount code, and no one, no one likes it, but it's the only way that you can... I don't get anything for people using my discount code. That's what everyone thinks that I'm getting money out of it. No, no, no. It's, right. it's a way for my company to track how many people are actually listening to me. Right. And a lot of people do and that's why I started and because I'm really genuine. Everything that I promote, I use. I get offered sponsorships every day and I've turned them down because it's not something I will ever use. I'm passionate about these brands. I wouldn't lie to people and I wouldn't promote them if I, didn't, if I don't love them. And people listen and um, they buy it. And so the companies have seen, you know, what value I am to them. And that's what I've been trying to tell the other climbers, you know, stick with your brands that you love and try build your following. You don't need to have that many, but... Um, as long as you are out there trying hard for your brand, they will reward you. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. I was going to bring that up because you had mentioned that there are better climbers in Australia who just don't want to work on their social yeah. media following. And, and I've definitely come across some climbers who are very bitter that they're this level climber and they don't have a bunch of sponsorships lined yeah. up. Um, but like you said, it's a two-way street. You know, ultimately those sponsors are businesses, yeah, and they need to make money, yeah, or they can't sponsor you anyway. Yeah. So, what sort of value are you providing them? Yeah, and I think even beside the fact that you're causing the sponsors to maybe think a little bit more about should we be monetarily supporting these climbers, mm. you're also showing the other climbers in Australia that. If you put this energy into yeah. bringing value to other companies, yeah. then, then it's possible. they'll be able to support you a little better. Yeah. And I think that's really important and something that, that gets lost because we follow people like, and no, you know, I'm not throwing shade at anybody, but if we follow people like Adam Ondra or Chris Sharma or the big massive names who all they need to do is climb mm. and climb hard and be what they already are yeah. in order to get support from companies, we think that's what the sponsorship setup is. But that's not really the case. Yeah. You know, you're not Adam Ondra, you're not Chris Sharma. People aren't following you the way that they do them. Yeah. Um, so you have to provide value in a in a somewhat different way. Yeah. And I think you're making big strides into showing what's possible in that realm here in Australia, especially. Yeah, I think people just need to get over the fact, like you know, they're saying it's oh, it's don't film inside plastic boulders or it's you know you're showing off or whatever. No, you're just... Those people have the option to not follow yeah, you. Yeah, don't follow. If you don't want to see advertising, you know, don't watch my stories. Um, but all you're doing is is showing people a little part of your life because that's what you're doing anyway. You're out there yeah. climbing boulders. <laughs> and it's really nice to be able to share different boulders and see boulders all over the world and see, what you know, different gyms and things like that. And if you can use that with some smart advertising, you know, I'll just without being overly um, obvious about what I'm doing, get a shaker in there, get your company's brand in there, be wearing the clothes. Um, and so you don't have to be like, buy this, buy this, buy this. That's not what it's about. You don't have to be annoying. Um, but people are very creative these days. You can come up with ways to support your brands and still engage people and don't yeah. cause them to unfollow. Um, 
and yeah, I hope a lot of people can yeah start accepting that social media is a way of the future for brands and just to get involved. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I'm I'm glad you're doing it, and I'm glad you're willing to talk about it in that respect because I think more professional climbers need to do a better job of of giving the brands value yeah than what they do i think so yeah so when you were a tennis player for first off you came into climbing from yeah after a tennis injury right yep i broke my uh fifth metatarsal uh in six places playing tennis playing tennis yeah. holy hell yeah. so you go hard at tennis too is what you're saying honestly i it was <laughs> So unlucky, such a freak. Just rolling for just a, a backhand, yeah. and instead of sliding, I rolled over my ankle, and uh, <laughs> it took me two days to get to the hospital. I drove home in my manual car, like it was my left, and I'm just hitting the It'll clutch, and I was like, "This is not good." <laughs> this doesn't. I went to the shops and everything. I just tried to ignore it, similar to what I do with my finger. I just was like, nah, nah, it's fine, it's fine. It's just, you know, it's a little strain. The next day I woke up and there was a golf ball on my foot. Like, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. I was like, I'll just stay in bed today and ice it. And then the next day I was finally drove myself to the hospital and they're like, that's one of the worst breaks we've ever seen. Um, (laughs) What level tennis were you playing at that time? It Uh, it sounds like it was more more than a hobby. It was more than a hobby. I was pa- I was living in New South Wales at the time, so I was paying for my state, not for Australia, but my state. Um, but I was heading a little bit better than that. You know, I yeah. was probably going to break into playing for the, my country. But um, and then yeah. with with <laughs> tennis at the time, was it a different paradigm than what you're experiencing with climbing? Like tennis has a much much, much longer history of being a, yeah. a competitive, you know, supported sport. Oh, my life is just so much different then. Uh, it was, I wasn't on social media then. Um, I was just, um, I was having funding from my state. So is it, you are supported by your state for tennis. Um, right. <laughs> it's just a normal thing to do. Um, you have your team, you, you have your coach provided to you. And, um, uh, yeah, I was, I was doing it from school as well. So... Yeah, I was living a different life there, but I was very, I was very lonely on the tennis court for some reason. I, yeah, and I was very, uh, I don't know, I was getting really frustrated because you know, it's climbing is also a single sport. But I felt in my training, I was always by myself. I felt very lonely. So I don't know if I was ever really trying very hard to be professional at it. I was happy just playing around the state and get a lot of prize money for winning tournaments and I was able to go in lots of tournaments and yeah you're able to win money and um yeah I it it was it's very different that living that lifestyle um I, I definitely wasn't at a level that I'm at with my climbing despite the fact that I was um a tennis player since I was seven but it's much harder to be at that level in tennis than it is to be at the international level for climbing, obviously, because sure. yeah. it's so much uh, more popular. Um, there's so much more competition. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole system of bringing kids up through tennis the ranks drilled to, into you. to be professional tennis players. I was given a tennis, yeah, I think as soon as I could walk, you know, I was given a tennis racket. It's, it's in my family. Um, my family still don't understand what I'm doing right now. They don't know what climbing is. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they still don't understand why I'm, I'm, I'm not playing tennis. 
Um, so yeah, I think you said you said that you feel or you felt lonely on the tennis court, mm. and most of the people that I have on this podcast are outdoor climbers, and a lot of what we talk about is community in the outdoors. You know, yeah. that's certainly one of the things that's drawn me into climbing the yeah. way that I am. Massively. Are do you feel that same? sort of community here in yeah. climbing even though you're not doing much outdoor climbing oh massively the outdoor climbing community is not so large here because we don't have any rocks yeah. yeah so i've made lifelong friends and i have gained so much happiness from this community i didn't i feel like climbing gave me a sense of direction in my life um from the, I think from the moment I stepped into the gym, are we still working? Yeah. Yeah. From the moment I stepped into the gym, I found this community of psyched people who just wanted to train hard and and enjoy climbing together. And there was never any. I remember being a beginner. There was never every any judgment. People would come and help me, and they accepted me from the start. The community that I went into, and the owners of the gym were so lovely and as the, the community used to be very small, you know, it started at the Boulder Hub, very small, you know, like probably like 20 main climbers that were there every day. Yeah. And then it just, it just grew. They were the first bouldering gym here in Western Australia and they grew this amazing community, you know, now of hundreds and hundreds of people and we all got stronger together. They went open five years and, and it's just so normal to then go into your gym and you know everyone and right, right. You know, you're just there all laughing and pushing each other. There was never any judgment on anyone, you know, and you could go in there and you could just have a really good session with your mates and then you'd end up going drinks with these people. Like you just gained so much. And for me, it used to just be going through the motions, you know, going to work at the time I was studying. So I was studying to be a lawyer, go, uh, working in a cafe and then I would go to the gym and I was bodybuilding and it was just this you go to the gym by yourself you've got your earphones in and you go right, home right. and that's it and it's just a lonely environment the same as the tennis court I get on the court my coach would smash balls at me and I would smash them back and then I would go home but it's like when you walk into the climbing community and you're high-fiving 20 people through the doorway <laughs> and you know it, it's turned since there's been more gyms it's it's become a little bit different because now everyone's spread out in their gyms and it's almost like, oh, I'm adrenaline vault, I'm portside, I'm, I'm, you know, it's becoming like cult-like. Right. Uh, and I'm a floater, so I don't belong yeah. to any gym. You bounce gym. from gym to gym. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's up, adrenaline vault, what's up, portside, what's up, Boulder Hub? Um, Boulder Hub still feels like my family. It's, it's, um, they have. Al and Christina basically taught me how to climb and they believed yeah. in me when probably I didn't believe in myself. Sure. <laughs> so I, I, I owe them everything. It's really important um, to have. Yeah. And I look up to them more than anyone in the climbing community. Um, but Portside Boulders has then been a lifesaver for me because I live 15 minutes from here and I live 50 minutes from the Boulder Hub. So to commit yeah. to 50 minute driving mm -hmm. is not fun in Perth. Um, so here has been a lifesaver just for the training aspect, I've been able to get more training in. Um, yeah. I can't remember what the original question was now. I've gone off track. <laughs> we were just talking about community. So this is, this yes, is perfect. The community. It's, with your, it's incredible. With your online presence. So 
I interviewed a, a strength coach a while back named Dan John, uh, this famous strength coach. And he talks about the idea of intentional community and the way he sets that up in his life is that he just invites whoever wants to come to his garage every morning to work out in his garage. It's just wide open for anybody. He's this world famous strength coach. You can just roll up into his garage and lift weights with him. That's pretty cool. And he knows that people will come. So it gets him out there. It gets him socializing. It gets him lifting and working out. I've tried to do the same thing in my home gym in Wyoming and in the several little training spaces that I've had over the years. But I also feel like you can do it online. It's a little different, but the amount of, of interaction you have with the people on your page, yeah. it looks like a community to me. Yeah. No, and it is. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of my followers aren't based in Australia, but since everyone's heard that I'm going overseas, I have scheduled meetups with my followers all over the world you know people have people invited me to stay at their house you know like because they were like oh you won't be able to pay for hotels i'll give you my people are like i will leave my house and give you my house in germany like that yet i just have a really solid community on my instagram and um I can't wait to climb with like basically i'm gonna be like hey guys tomorrow i'm at this gym in germany come climb with me i'd love to meet as many of you as i can and i I hope to be able to do that all over the world eventually i hope to be able to go i'm going to the u.s i'm going to host a you know host a clinic there yeah or let's just have a meet up and climb because yeah there's there are a lot of people that want to meet me and they just want to climb with me yeah totally (laughs) They just want to hang out with me and i'm like i want to hang out with you too like that sounds so fun but unfortunately i'm so far away here and i don't have so many followers here but i do have a really good group of people here that keep me extremely grounded (laughs) (laughs) that seems to be just part of the australian culture Uh, like at the start you know with my social media people that knew me you know, really intimately, they're like, oh, you got a lot of followers all of a sudden. What's going on? I'm posting the same boulders as you are and I'm not getting any followers. And then, then they'd be like, oh, here's Anna with a tripod again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are we doing today, Anna? And then it turned into like, oh, my God, it's Anna Davey. This is, my, this is, you know, my good group of friends just making fun of right, me. Right, right. And then all of a sudden, they were just like, I respect you. <laughs> You've worked hard, you ignored, you know, our banter, teasing you and all of a sudden you're probably going to make a living out of it. Uh, and now they just want to get involved in my videos and they're like, well, you know, what are we doing today? And can I be in a video? You know, so. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I pay really close attention to kind of what's going on in the climbing world and, and trying to understand the, the power dynamics and when I was in Blackheath, when I was in Sydney and Melbourne and the Grampians, I mentioned to several climbers I met that I was going to be talking to you when I come over to Perth. And, and the reason I was mentioning it is because I wanted to see the reactions. Because yeah. I've heard so much naysaying about Sierra Blair Coil in yeah. the U.S., it's and, the same in Australia for me. You either hate me or you like me. I but think. you know what? I've not heard anything <laughs> negative. 
And oh, that's good news. And I thought that maybe I would. I was I was curious to see where the pettiness would pop up, yeah. you know. But it hasn't. Everyone I've talked to said she's working her ass off. Yeah. You know, and uh, I know there are a lot of people in the Blue Mountains that know me quite well because I've climbed there a little bit. And yeah, Tom. I know Tom quite well and Amanda. They're amazing. Um, and I had a similar conversation with them on their podcast yeah, about they, my they told social me they media. Talked to you on yeah. Base, yeah. Um, you know, I think it's like ninety five percent to five percent haters. Uh, um, Which is a really, really good ratio. Yeah, like I've only had. A f- <laughs> it's only the memes that have got me, and I don't know who those people are. And I think most of the people in Australia, the ones that don't like me, I think. It comes down to jealousy because I'm not as talented as them and like yeah some people will just be stronger than me and they'll be like oh she's got everything I don't have everything though yeah I, well, I've I, seen you joke about the memes too yeah like yeah you're, oh I'm just like go for it mate like you're, you're owning <laughs> it's them just, it's just jealousy like um it, yeah like as you said as you said if you if you're getting memes then people people know who you are and they know what you're doing and yeah if you have haters you've made it yeah um, the first meme that was ever made about me years ago i immediately posted it on my own blog like yeah. this is amazing the funny ones the funny ones i've posted there have been a couple that have that have gone too far sure yeah, and as people do. have been disgusting or they've just been really, really rude. And I honestly, I'm like, I feel sorry for you to have so much hate in your yeah. body and to hide behind your little meme account, which is, yep. you know, it's not a person. Yeah. Just hide behind your account. And I feel sorry for you. I'm so, like, I'm sorry that what happened to your life to make you want to bully people. And like, I'm over here laughing at you because I just don't care. Like, yep. I am... I am successful because what I've done and I might not be the strongest <laughs> climber, but I'm just out here with my positive vibes and and people like it and, you know, regardless of what people think, people are inspired by my posts, even if I'm not the best climber in the world. People t- are pulling inspiration from what Absolutely. I'm doing and they're using it, you know, to go and get them off the couch and get climbing or try something different or yeah, yeah you're you're about to realize this dream that you had exactly. when you first started climbing yeah. and that's a message to people like it doesn't matter how late you start climbing in life you can you can still make you know you can still reach your dreams if that's what you want to do yeah you have to give up stuff i've had to give up so much um but if that's what you want to do, it's like I started climbing when I was 25. You know, most people, you can't turn pro if you start climbing at 25. Right. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. So, yeah, yeah I hope that message does inspire some people. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm absolutely positive it does. I don't have any doubts. And, and good for you. You know, I think this is amazing. I've been watching for a while. and Thank you. And, <laughs> and I really appreciate your honesty i appreciate that that you're constantly putting the content out there and not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes you're just no. like here's me this and is it's what's gonna going get better, on and i promise it's gonna get better i'm, I'm th- constantly thinking how can i evolve yeah um and the next thing for me i think is going to be going into youtube vlogs like nice my community of climbers and especially Tom and me together we're very funny <laughs> i think yeah. like we're just 
there's a lot of serious training, but there's a lot of funny stuff. <laughs> and I think people will enjoy it. And so, yeah, I think I'll be doing, and obviously when I'm overseas, I think we'll be doing a lot of really cool videos. You know, I, I am at the point now, which I, ha I have a tripod, you know, I'm not putting my, my phone in front of my drink bottle anymore. Um, so I am evolving and I am, I will continue to make greater content for people and probably help with a few more. Yeah, going into I'm currently so I have my cert three in pers in fitness and I'm mm -hmm. doing my search four, which will which will have me qualified as a, as a PT as well. Um, I'm doing that right now and I'm going to be continuing to do that while I'm overseas and then after that I might be moving into some more you know expanding not just climbing but just helping with some general functional uh sure. movements and um yeah so there's a lot of exciting things happening behind the scenes yeah you've got you've got plans beyond this that aren't deceased estates i do yeah, yeah. i hope that i can have my own training business using you know the market that i already have behind me and um growing my market into helping people with whatever their fitness goal, whatever it's a sporting, if they're an elite athlete and, or if it's just people that just want to make a change, lose weight, yeah. get abs, whatever. I hope to work towards transformation goals eventually. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why I'm confident that maybe leaving law right now might be a good decision because I'm working a lot on my own business model. Yeah, I would say you've yeah. got a hell of a great start to it. So. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a risk, but uh, fitness is my passion. You know, I was taking abs classes and when I did my, yeah, my first fitness diploma, I cert three, you can take group classes and things like, and write programs and things like that. And I never really, my mum's a PT and she's been a PT her whole life and I never really thought that that would be for me, but it's become more and more in the forefront of my mind and I, I'm not the kind of person that can just sit in an office and I don't think I can do that after this training yeah. at this level yeah. I just yeah I want to help people in a different kind of way yeah you've given up a lot of things to not sit in an office so yeah. <laughs> might as well keep that going I think so well cool I know this is kind of unconventional to you know just sit at the gym and chat like this but yeah i feel like i've been really unstructured and just gone on my tangents no I this, do is, apologize this is to perfect. anyone listening but this is perfect I, just, <laughs> I had things to get out that people would probably want to know about yeah so. and i wanted this to be an organic conversation you know and and this is your environment this is where you live we're yep. just sitting here at the gym looking into portside boulders it's and pretty cool so I appreciate you taking time out of your workout. And no, I appreciate you coming to talk to me. I know a lot of people are really excited to come and train with you tonight and tomorrow. It's going to be fun. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sad. I, I couldn't do any of your workshops, but I would be absolutely useless on my yeah. drugs. <laughs> well, we can always talk. So cool. Thanks, Anna. Awesome. Thank you so much. You know, I purposely started this this whole episode by saying that Anna Davey is an Instagram sensation. She's so much more than that, but I wanted to give all of the haters a chance to perk up and have a reason to start hating because that's what people do. And and I'm fine with it and Anna Davey is fine with it and we're both going to continue what we're doing despite the haters and hopefully by listening to this episode you got a good sense of 
your short-sightedness if you started by hating that she was an Instagram sensation because she puts in a lot of work to get where she's at and she's doing a really good job of it. Uh, I talked with Anna just recently about her World Cup season, her first World Cup season that just wrapped up and she definitely found it really challenging which isn't surprising that's kind of what she went in knowing was going to happen and uh, she the, some of the things she found challenging were things that i think athletes who are traveling have to learn to deal with those are things like long waits in isolation and you know having having to deal with the nerves of being in front of a big crowd that you don't know and just eating in a foreign country that can be tough when you're trying to perform as well as the style that's something that we all talk about and have talked about a lot recently is the style of bouldering and climbing has changed dramatically and and there's not a ton of that being set over in Australia yet so Anna and her coach are trying to put together a plan that's going to help her out in the future she had, she didn't give up because it was challenging I think one of the things that Anna Davy does really well that I appreciate is she's very willing to get uncomfortable and to push into lean into that discomfort to learn something she's got Western Australia state championships coming up in July world championships in Japan in August and Olympic qualifiers early next year and she's had this first go-round at the World Cup so she's gonna make some changes and frankly I wouldn't count her out um, that is if you're listening Anna if you can keep your fingers healthy do that damn it all right you guys can find Anna Davy on the Instagrams at the link right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer. I will link to all things Anna Davy on the internet. You can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can also find us on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Pinterest at Power Company Climbing. You can search for us on the Twitters all day if you want to. You can spend days searching for us on the Twitters, but you're not going to find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.